So how's this new boy you're going out with? He's cute and very funny, but it's a little weird. He's always in the corner back by the wood pile. I'm Spun Counter Guy. Thanks for stopping by. So at one of my many jobs, there's been this guy that I've been working with on and off for the past two years. He's a professional musician known around Nashville town as Steve C. His last name being one of those Eastern European ones with no vowels for our mouths to latch onto. Who, when not on tour, takes carpentry gigs and the like. We've exchanged a handful of conversations here and there, but Steve C. generally seemed to be a man of few words. Well, one day recently, we were out prying rotten wooden planks off a house. And out of the blue, it seemed like someone had slipped Steve C. some chatty Kathy pills. And it wasn't that he was going on about nothing. He started telling all these stories about some of the greatest moments in his life that did not wrap up in the way that he had wanted. I found them to be so funny, I about rolled off the house a couple times. Thus, I had to record the guy and share him with the world. So, world, may I present to you Catastrophe Steve. I was probably 19, 20 years old and was at a party and... Uh was having some fun and met a gal, and uh, we decided to go back to, to my house, my apartment, and- uh, Play Monopoly or checkers? I don't remember exactly what the ruse was, what the, what the uh, I think I was trying to get her, her tube top uh, off. So we get back there and things are getting pretty good. We're kind of kissing a little bit and, and hanging out, and uh, she stops and she looks at me and, and she goes, you don't know my name, you know, in that split second. I'm trying to think. Okay, so you, so you go. What do I do? Do I do I start spouting out names and, and just hope that I, I get lucky, or, or 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 do I do I just plead stupidity and and beg for for forgiveness and, and uh, all whizzing around in the back of my mind and I'm going. You know, this is probably not going to end well. You know, what really looked like a promising afternoon, I'm seeing like the, we're circling the drain all, all of a sudden here. I I think what I what I said was just. I couldn't think of anything other than to be just absolutely bluntly honest, and I and I said, "Girl, I don't I don't know what your name is." <laughs> she, you know, she. Did she you say looked, it with a smile? I probably did. You know, I was I was trying to soften the blow. You know, she of course stormed out of there, which which not only messed up my afternoon, but but messed up my friend's afternoon because it was the two of us, and we had we had come back there with two girls. So she drug the other one out of there too, which you know put a kink in my my buddy's plans too. You know, so did she know your name? I, you know, I should have asked. Uh, thinking back now, I mean, I should have put her on the spot because yeah. because she may have w very well been in the same spot. But, uh, but it ended up I, I looked really stupid, and uh, and I think back, what would have been better way to handle that? How could I have done differently that might have been been better? But. Um, so have you come up with a plan? Like if you don't... I don't have a plan. I, other than learning you know, the girl's name. I think as time goes by, I think nowadays I, I just try to catch it before it, it gets up past the point of no return. Uh, a lot of women, and probably some men, have a difficulty with intimacy if you don't know their name, is, is what I've discovered over the time. I didn't get that right mm -hmm. away, but, but the wisdom of time has taught me that knowing someone's name is, is, is a step on the ladder to having a, a certain social <laughs> in, intimacy. But it wouldn't bug you if a pretty lady didn't know your name. I don't give a shit.
about the worst job I had was as a above ground pool installer, which I probably did for four, five, six weeks. <laughs> I haven't had a lot of day jobs in my life. I've been a musician for, for most of my life. The pool job was bad because it was summertime and it was hot outside. And I didn't realize it. I thought, well, you know, you, you probably take some pieces of, you know, what a, an above ground pool. It's probably vinyl sided aluminum or something. You just ratchet it together and put it together and you're good. But the whole basis of, of that job is based on leveling the ground underneath mm -hmm. so that everything is secure. And so I didn't take that into account. And so what that really amounts to is you look at a piece of ground and you go, well, that's really not a big hill mm -hmm. over there. But if, if you're standing there and you put a level to it, mm -hmm. you go, okay, that, that four-inch difference, you know, from side to side, what you would have to do is take sand and put it in a wheelbarrow mm -hmm. and wheelbarrow sand, you know, from the truck to the backyard and dump it and smooth it and, and cart it and dump it and smooth it. And um, I was in pretty good shape back then. I could do that kind of stuff. And I think I did that for about an hour. I don't want to do this any, anymore, <laughs> you know. And that was the gig. The gig was basically wheel, wheelbarrowing. I mean, you could call it a pool installer, <laughs> but you were a sand wheelbarrower. A sand transporter. Yeah, and that was not very much fun. And the other one that I remember I had some friends who were working at Magnesium Aluminum Company, or MAC, mm -hmm. in Cleveland, Ohio, and uh, I was trying to be a musician, and I didn't always, sometimes I did okay, sometimes I didn't, and I was between bands, and they said, well, come down, man, come down, we'll get you a job, and what this amounted to was you would stand in front of this part-making machine, and you there was a, a pot of molten aluminum, seven billion degrees, I, I, I don't know, what, whatever temperature it takes to, to make uh, aluminum molten. And so you would take the thing and you would, you would have the, a mask and, and big gloves like, like the people in nuclear plants. For seven, eight, nine, ten hours a day, you would send it with a ladle, scoop the aluminum into the machine, it would come together and make a piece come apart, take the piece out, oil it so that the metal didn't stick, and do it again maybe seven billion times a, a, a day. Well, one, it was uh, ungodly hot and smelly, but the other thing was the machine would misfire and shoot molten aluminum at you sometimes. When you got bored and you, you, you thought, this is just a job I can do all day where you just kind of do that thing, well, you know, it would shoot molten aluminum right. just to kind of keep you on right. your toes, you know, and and that'll do it. Because now, did you have a whole bodysuit on? No. <laughs> God, no. that's not good. No, it's it's not good because that molten aluminum, you yeah, know, it doesn't care about flannel. <laughs> it, it doesn't care about uh, cotton, you know. Yeah, that'll uh, leave a carbon burn on you for sure. Yeah, and everybody in there had had been burnt and had 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 injuries, and I was just like, this this is my hands. You know, between the molten aluminum and, and the you know, the machine, I'm going like, I didn't last very long over there either. I think I made it maybe five weeks. I got what I needed there, mm -hmm. moved on. Was, was knowledge or cash? Uh, cash. <laughs> and the knowledge never to do that again. Okay.
to Nashville, I was working my first bus gig, you know, decent artist gig, with the record company behind it, you know, Sean Camp, and uh, they were trying to push him pretty hard, so we were out there working, at, and I remember one time we were out there for three, four weeks straight, and everybody was just exhausted. And what, what kind of music was it? Country. Mm -hmm. And we thought, uh, well, okay, three, four weeks, and then we're going home, and, and we thought, well, we're going home, and then, and then the booking agent called and said, well, we've added some dates to the end of this, and you're going to Billings, Montana, and you're going to do the fair up there, but you get to stay there for a whole week. So it's no moving around or anything, you're just there. So I thought, well, okay, so, you know, that's, it'll be some extra money, and, and you, get, you don't have to move around, you don't have to drive anywhere. And, um, and then when we got there and we realized that the shows were like at 12 noon, 4 o'clock, and 10 o'clock, in the evening, you had to play three different shows a day. Once you, you had to be at the park basically at 10 o'clock in the morning and, and you were there till about 2 o'clock. And nothing to do except go around and look at John Deere tractors and, and stuff. And, and you know, oh, look, funnel cake, you know, we've never seen that before. Oh, you know, sausage sandwiches. Oh, really, yeah. You know, man, just kill me. Run me over with the tractor. Put me in the combine, you know. There's a couple side stories on this too, but so we're already tired. We've already been gone for a month, and we're already like we don't know what day it is, and so we go on up to the place and we pull in and uh, okay, we go to do the first show, and uh, we're it, we find out that we're opening for a ventriloquist. <laughs> kind of like, noseworthy was the wooden dolls and, uh -huh. you know it was just kind of surreal kind of david lynch kind of kind of thing because you know, we're this was like a stone country bluegrassy kind of artist i was playing with and here's like this ventriloquist beforehand and i'm going like who was thinking about this when they put this one on the drawing board were they thinking that these two audiences were going to you know speak to each other or, or how was that going to work exactly and so no, that was a terrible gig. And uh, so the, the the audience wasn't into what you were in. The audience was was they weren't sure what was going on. This was a free stage. It was no pay for this. This was like a side stage to the to the big fair stuff. And and the state fair there, that's a big thing, yeah. you know, Billings. Uh, but we weren't like the featured big artist or mm -hmm. anything. This was just like something to do to meet some ventriloquists and people. And uh, the other interesting thing I, I remember about that is. I had never been out to the plains or out to the west much, mm -hmm. you know, in my life. One of the images that sticks with me is like, as I was watching Noseworthy, the, the ventriloquist, <laughs> waiting to go on stage to play some country music, I'm checking out the, the crowd and I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at some of the women in the crowd and there's like this, this good looking cowgirl kind of looking gal cowboy hat and western shirt and, and boots, you know, just like you would figure in Montana. And I'm looking at this chick and, and you know, she's kind of looking at me and I'm thinking, well, I, I think maybe I'm going to meet somebody here in Montana and this is pretty cool. And, uh, you know, maybe a little smile and I'm starting to feel like yeah, there's a little there's a little bit of a vibe here. This could be fun, you know. I think, well, you know, you, you kind of reach that point where you go, I think I need to walk over there and say hello and talk to her and, and see if this is going anywhere. And as I just start to walk over there, she's standing next to a garbage can and she reaches up and she grabs uh, her cheek like this and goes, Pee! and and spits out a big chaw of chewing tobacco. And uh, 
I just kind of started walking, and I, I kind of kept walking, and I never said a word to her. And that was my brush with romancing the cowgirls, yeah. Houston in, I don't know, early 80s and uh, rented this nice, nice apartment in a nice area of town. But, you know, Houston, it's, it's fairly tropical, hot, and they have those gigantic roaches. The ones that fly? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Palmetto guys. And uh, we didn't see a lot of them around the, the apartment or anything, but, but evidently one got in there and uh, my buddy was taking a shower and the bug crawls in his underwear, and he puts the underwear on, and, oh, uh, and uh, you know, he came out dancing. I, I, I don't know <laughs> what the name of that dance was, but I'd never seen anything like it in my life, and don't expect I ever will again. This was Dublin, or whether this was still north of England, like Manchester or someplace. It was raining cats and dogs, and we were playing in this little pub. There was a leak, and it was raining on stage. It was um, like on the guy's drums, a lot like there, like he would hit a, a drum, and and water would just, oh, wow. you know. And as cool as that is, as an effect, like in a, in a, in an eighties heavy metal kind of video, this this wasn't nearly that cool because. Uh, you know the the idea of of getting shocked to death, and um, I think the singer was was angry with the drummer who was getting rained on, and, you know, because he sped up like a half a beat uh, a minute, you know, while he's dodging like the deluge, you know. But we got through it. or outside of London at a place called Dingwalls, which was really a cool club in or around London, and I say in or around London because I don't remember exactly where it was, and that's kind of the point of the story. Uh, we had played in Switzerland and here and there, and uh, we got to England, and uh, I was tired from the travel and whatnot, and we were close to a park, and we had the whole afternoon off, so I thought, I'll just go out to this beautiful park and clear my head, and uh, I'll be good as new after an hour or two. And uh, so I did, and I walked out. I get out to the park, and it's almost like a m hedges and mazes. It's almost like one of those uh, kind of typical English things. And, and I thought, this is just incredible and, and cool, and I'm having a good old time. And I look at my um, hotel key, Noticed that it did not have the name or address of the hotel <laughs> on it, and I couldn't remember the name or address of the hotel, and um, kind of went into a panic again because realized that uh, 
I didn't know how to get back to where I, I was, and I had no way to even tell someone where I needed to get to. So I was totally without any information at all. And uh, that's a theme in my life a lot of times. I, I, I'm <laughs> totally without any knowledge or, or info. And I was wandering around out in the hedgerow. You know, I, I got back to that hotel. I couldn't tell you in a million years how I got there or, or what route I took, but uh, I can tell you I was really scared because I was thinking, wow, I'm going to miss the gig. <laughs> They're going to be looking for me, and I can't even tell anybody where I'm at. Or, or, you just or, wandered around? I just literally wandered. I did. I was like, okay, I think I went this way. And kind of like a dog goes, and they, they look for the scent of where they peed. You know, mm -hmm. that's kind of what I was doing. I was, I was looking around. I got back, but I, it was not without some serious hand-wringing mm -hmm. and, uh, and consternation because... There was a minute of, of real, real panic there where I was kind of like, oh, brother, this yeah. is, they're not going to be happy with, <laughs> with me. The gig go okay after you made it? The gig went great. I don't think I told a soul uh, about uh, my escapades during the day, and they were just like, oh, man, it's so good to have you on this, sojourn, feeling my, my rock and roll oats, as it were. First band I was in that, that traveled a little bit and had a little bit of a following, and I just thought this was so cool, man. Mm -hmm. And we went down to Columbus, Ohio, and we played this 2,000-seat uh, kind of cowboy, bucking bull kind of joint that was popular back then, early 80s. As luck would have it, I met a gal. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> and uh, we kind of hit it off. I ended up back at her apartment, and I had been drinking a lot of beer. Consequently, the, the result of that was that there was a lot of gas in my system, uh, <laughs> sadly. I was a little bit uh, worried that at some point, like in the morning, I had stayed the night, and, and we got up in the morning, and I think she was going to like make me a little bit of breakfast or something. And uh, I, I went down, and, and I asked her, I said, well, where is the bathroom? <laughs> and she said, well... It's right there, you know, which was like close proximity to the uh, for the dinner table. And I, I thought, well, that's unfortunate because I, <laughs> I kind of got the sense that, you know, I might need a little bit of privacy. I, I might need to make a noise or two. And, and uh, I could, I could kind of feel, you get to know your constitution, you know, right. after a while. I probably had 47 beers a night before, you know, and probably three tacos from the, from the taco stand at the... At the beer bar, you know, <laughs> and, 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 and uh, you know how that can go, you know. There's literally repercussions. And I didn't know this girl. Well, like, we knew each other pretty well at that point, but we hadn't bonded in that special way. But, <laughs> but I felt like we were about to, you know, and uh, I was worried because I, I, I was thinking she might just go, you know, if I was, like, making a lot of noise in there right next to the kitchen, she would just go like, Hey, get out of my house. Get out of here. I'm not even I'm not even giving you a ride back to your place, you know. So, you know, I, I, I get in the bathroom because at this point I'm going, there's no stopping Mother Nature at this point, and I get in there and it just as I was kind of fearing, 
noises start happening, you know. And uh, and I don't mean like little noises. I don't mean demure little. I don't mean that kind of. Stuff. I mean like cannons and and, and war, like like uh, of interior constitutional war noises, you know. And, and I'm just get I'm getting more uh, more anxious because I'm going like. Oh, this is not good, and I'm thinking, you know, maybe I can muffle this, or, or but you know, I, I, you know, you learn all different things. You put the water on in the sink, you know, and I'm doing these different things, and and I'm humming and doing this and that, and and nothing is even, you know, deflecting. the The sound is just like trumpets, and and and, uh, and I'm just going, oh my God, this is, this is a cataclysmic event going on in, in, in my. Uh, colon you know uh you know you just kind of reached that point where i was going you do one of two things you just totally shut down or you, you it's acceptance you, and i reached the point of acceptance you know it's like you've heard of the five stages of grief you know mm-hmm. this was the five stages of, of poop basically yeah. you know and so things just started happening and i'm rolling and you know after a while, I was just laughing, and I was just kind of going. I was in there making just just the worst possible death rattle kind of noises coming from from my from my bottom, and uh, and and just kind of giggling in there because I was like, I just thought to myself, you know, nice gal, but chances are I'm never going to see this woman again, and she'll have a story to tell. I'll have a story. We'll both have a story. It'll be two different ways of looking at at, at, a, at an experience, and. Uh, <laughs> and, and we'll be laughing about this at some point down the road, and just like we're laughing about it now, yeah. we are. You know, she had to have heard. You, you could not have. You could, it just wasn't something like you could escape. You know, and she just she didn't say a word about it. And I thought, that's love. Any woman that that'll take an onslaught like that <laughs> and not bring it up, you know, immediately is like probably the keeper. I should have married that. That, mm. you know, I, that was that was my shot right there. Well, that's about all the disappointment I can take for the time being. Hopefully, Steve C. is out there as we speak, committing some more missteps, which he can bring back by the woodpile for our future entertainment. And I should mention that all the music that you've heard today was composed and performed by the said man himself. Want to hire Steve C. for a gig or have him freshen up your laboratory? You can email him at jmicrowave at aim.com. That's the letter J, microwave, spelled out, at aim.com. In the Corner Back by the Woodpile podcast is produced by a closet, a pocket, and a suitcase. You can email us at spuncounterguy at hotmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at spuncounterguy. And if you'd like to see a list of former episodes of In the Corner Back with the Woodpile, go to spuncounterguy.com and click on the pictures of piles of wood with chairs in front. Be sure to download the new Podbean app to hear this podcast and others on your tablet and smartphone. And we are now on iTunes. Just do a search for Back by the Woodpile on the iTunes store, and we should pop up. And a special thanks to thebrofisticate.com. <laughs>